story as Luke unfolds it in his gospel, beginning at chapter 1 and verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realised he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. Thanks be to God for his word. Do please be seated. John, bless you. morning. Welcome. Um, just need a drink before I start. 
I didn't pick the songs this morning, but some of them we, uh, we belted out, and I very much enjoyed that. So, uh, but it's a mistake I've made when preaching, is to uh, <laughs> launch straight into, uh, straight into preaching without, without a drink. So I won't do that again. So we're looking at um, a great time, a great story, uh, an amazing coming together of kind of all of the stories of the Old Testament. Have you noticed in this story, it's a coming together of the prophets, because it's talking about the spirit and power of Elijah, um, and John the Baptist having that prophetic edge, and the priests, and what a good kind of, what a good kind of bringing together of how God has dealt with his people. And then, of course, we're looking uh, forward to a king as well. And the coming of Jesus brings all these things together. And it's a really um, exciting part of the story. I'm a great fan of John the Baptist, as you may um, be able to tell, even though his name is subtly different to mine. Um, but but I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, the, of this particular guy. So um, I hope you will bear with my enthusiasm. Uh, you usually do. So uh, you do well with that. So Zechariah and Elizabeth had their own issues. And, but Zechariah had this job. This was, his, this was his job. This was the thing he did. Um, he was the one allocated to bring the prayers. So he brought the prayers of the nation, actually. Um, uh, he was the priest who was burning the, burning the incense on the altar. And uh, we know in, in kind of biblical, the kind of uh, the biblical illusion is that those, that burning up, that smoke and that incense rises to heaven. And that's the prayers of the people. Um, so a great opportunity for him. Uh, but he was kind of doing his normal religious duty. Um, and he was bringing the prayers of the nation. So um, just like Carol has brought our prayers and some of the prayers of the nation, he was bringing that. So although they had their own issue, and of course, I'm sure uh, that issue was prominent in his mind uh, kind of every day because that is, uh, that is how it is, but particularly with people who've had issues with infertility. You know, it becomes a really big deal. So that must have been there as well. But it was his job to bring the prayers of the nation. But what's interesting is that is he is bringing the prayers of the nation and all of a sudden God breaks into his situation or God breaks in through the, through the agent uh, of, of Gabriel and brings him something that he wasn't perhaps quite expecting. He was doing the thing that he did. He was doing his kind of religious duty. And the first thing I'd like to say about that is that actually God is both interested in the detail of your lives and in the big stuff. Because actually, this, this child, this child that they'd long for, becomes part of the massive sweep of history. And um, people have said that times uh, at the present are a kind of um, pivotal moment, is probably the phrase that's been used. Are we at a pivotal moment with Brexit? Probably not, actually, in world terms. Um, it seems important for us, doesn't it? Perhaps. Um, but this is the pivotal moment. The coming of Jesus is what really changes things, what really makes a difference, not only to the generation of people who are alive then, but to all generations and to us now. So it's an interesting thing that the story is much bigger than Zechariah and Elizabeth, but also God is interested in the detail and interested in our personal prayers. Um, I think I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, um, that uh, I've heard it said in here, God's not interested 
in my issue. God's got bigger stuff to deal with than my issue. And the answer to that is, no, that is not true. God is interested in your issue, whatever your issue is. But he's also got an amazing way of bringing together the answer to your issue with the grand sweep of what he's doing. In scripture, there's a thing which we call a meta-narrative. You know, the big picture, the big story. Um, and I've kind of invented the term micro-narrative. It doesn't quite work um, linguistically. But um, don't worry about that, because God is interested in the micro-narrative. He's interested in us, in our families, in our difficulties, and in our situations. But he's also interested in how your own micro-narrative fits into the meta-narrative, fits into the big story of salvation and his, uh, his plans for this world and for these nations. But of course, with all of these um, angelic appearances, um, and uh, let's not forget this because it almost becomes cliched because we hear it every time, uh, Gabriel says, fear not. Um, I, I don't know what he looks like, but whenever he turns up, he has to say, fear not. So um, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming, you know, quite scary. Um, and we naturally need to remember that. Um, we, we had, uh, uh, when um, perhaps Ben and Amy were in the nativity stage, um, uh, their, their, their angelic appearances were always very keen on fear not. Um, you know, when they, when they played the part, I can't remember which, which one it was. I'm looking at it. I think it might have been Ben, actually. Um, you know, fear not. A proper uh, evocation to not be fearful. Is that evocate? Is that a right word? I don't know. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm just being, making a bit kind of free with the language today, but don't worry about it. Um, you know, a proper encouragement not to be fearful. Now that is needed, isn't it? And do you think, perhaps, you're praying a thing, and perhaps you're a little bit scared that God would actually answer? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Sometimes we need to pray prayers like that. We need to pray prayers that, actually, if God turned up and answered that, we'd be really scared. Um, that's okay. Let's pray those prayers. Let's be bold and fear not. But I love in this story uh, how this guy, John the Baptist, gets into the Christmas story. Um, because John the Baptist, as I've said, is, I, I, I like him. Um, he's, got, he's got a lot, uh, he's kind of a bit rough, he's a little bit scary, um, he's quite rude, um, you know, um, but what an amazing ministry. He does prepare the way for Jesus. He does actually, you know, it's a bit of spin actually, because a lot of the things he brings are very loving. Um, he's not always just this kind of rough guy out in the wilderness, with kind of banging on. He's also got uh, so much of the kind of character of Jesus. You can tell, that, you know, the cousins um, have a lot in common, actually. And um, perhaps the, the, uh, the religious version of Jesus, the nativity scene version of Jesus, has been a little bit watered down. Um, perhaps it's a little bit sentimental because um, that character that Jesus showed as well of uh, saying it how it is when necessary, um, out of uh, not tolerating hypocrisy. Um, that's also part of this. And this John the Baptist bit of the story just brings that edge 
into, uh, into our nativity Christmas story, which can get a little bit come of away in a manger, do you know what I mean by that? Um, I, I like away in a manger, it's got a great how to get saved bit in it, isn't it? But, um, but sometimes things get a bit too sentimental, uh, and it's not, it's not the full gospel. So Christmas, what a great opportunity for us. Did you know, um, anyone know an atheist? Anyone got an atheist neighbour? Do they celebrate Christmas? Yes, they do. They do. Um, anyone from other religions? Do they celebrate Christmas? Yeah, yeah, quite a lot of them do. Um, everybody celebrates Christmas. You know, um, if you look at it in sort of marketing terms, um, our, our festival is celebrated by just about everybody. So everybody has said they're interested in our festival. They're interested in Jesus. That's what they're saying. They've said, we're interested in that. They might not be interested in the way we are, but let's start with that. Everyone celebrates Christmas, don't they? Everyone's on holiday in this country, pretty much. Um, everyone's available to, uh, to have their door knocked and have, be invited to come to our uh, services over Christmas. But the vast majority of people are around, aren't they? Um, it's such a great opportunity. Um, sometimes if people are drunk, um, if they're at the office party, uh, a great opportunity. Get, get talking to them. Um, don't worry about the stuff. You know, don't worry about how it is that, uh, that people um, are interested. But they are interested. Trust me, they are interested. People might, um, might want a kind of sentimental Christmas. You know, that, so um, if your kid's in, in the um, nativity next week um, and you know that one of your friends loves that and just love to see, you know, lovely little kids dressed as whatever it's going to be, or looking at Marion. Don't worry whether that's delivered. Get them here, okay? That's kind of more important. If people want a bit of sentimentality, this is about being all things to all people, isn't it? Say, yes, we can do that. Yeah, we've got kids. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will do that. Um, And we'll get them here because we know that God's word will get to them. I, I can trust that uh, next week's uh, next week's service, next week's production, the word of God will be preached. Uh, the word of God will reach people, and the word of God, the word who became flesh, uh, will make an impact on people. So let's use every opportunity this year to uh, to get people into this building if that's what they want. People like to come to church, don't they? People like a religious experience at Christmas. Okay, that's fine. Let's get them in. Let's say we can be as religious as you like. Um, We'll do all the religious things you are expecting. But let's get people into a place where they can meet Jesus. And let's be the people who introduce them to Jesus. So Ken last week had a a video of of all the things that people are preparing for for Christmas. Um, And uh, uh, my plan for today is to... um, to prepare us to be preparers, be prepared to prepare. Okay, because this is what uh, this is what John the Baptist did. This is what John the Baptist did. He preached, "Get ready, Jesus is coming," and he preached it very, very effectively. And uh, that is what I'd love us to do this year here at Brighton Road, but also every year. Um, let's be those people who prepare the way for Jesus. And I've picked out six points out of this narrative of how we can be prepared 
to prepare the way for Jesus. Be prepared to introduce Jesus to people. And when I was thinking of this, um, of course, Jesus um, isn't coming this Christmas. Uh, you did know that, didn't, don't you? Um, uh, Ishmael, an old Ishmael song says, uh, Jesus is making a comeback. Um, we know it won't be long. It's strange to say he's coming back because he's never really gone. Okay? Um, so this, this isn't a, uh, we're not kind of going through a Jesus is coming issue because actually people can meet Jesus right now. But it is a great opportunity to prepare people, to talk to people, to be those people like John the Baptist who have that ministry of preparing the way for Jesus. Giving people the knowledge of salvation. That is, we don't do the salvation bit because that's what Jesus does. But we tell them what they need to know to get that salvation bit. Uh, We introduce them to Jesus, the person of Jesus. So the first thing that John the Baptist did, and I kind of kind of uh, shoehorned this in a little bit. Um, the first thing, he said he was a joy. He was a joy to his parents. Um, and uh, the reason I put this in is it's important to be a joy this Christmas. Um, you know, the church have got a bit of a reputation for being disapproving of things. Um, and that is not what we want to do. We want to be people who are a joy, who are a pleasure to be with, who are fun. Um, you know, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Um, and and um, uh, Claire has told me off for of this just recently. Um, being a bit kind of grumpy, um, maybe it's a dad thing, um, sorry, you know. Being just a little bit grumpy all the time. Um, and this is not the time for this type of behaviour. Um, and I'm speaking very much to dads, and I guess I'm preaching to myself a little bit. Um, I've, got a, I've got another point for dads later on. Um, because you can get a bit kind of grumpy, and or just, just, just forget to be nice. Um, we do that in the church too. We just, we just forget to be nice. Um, and uh, the, the, the welcome team are great, uh, because I've really seen some, uh, some times there where they've just been kind of lovely and welcoming. And just, oh, come, you know. People have come and said, we felt so welcomed. What a great thing. Why don't we be a joy this Christmas? Why don't we be welcoming and open? Why don't we be like that with our families, um, even those difficult relatives who you might be due to be uh, seeing soon? So the next thing that John the Baptist did was he was distinctive and different. Um, so he... Uh, he was very, very different. You know, it says he took no, no fermented drink or wine. Uh, how do we stand out in our society? I'm not advocating for myself uh, the no fermented drink or wine option. Um, but how, how are we different? How do we stand out? How do we look a little bit different? We need to be different so that people say, what is it about you? And sometimes we need to do things a bit different not be squashed into the kind of way things are done around here. And around here, Brighton Road, and maybe around here, Horsham. You know, do we do things a little bit differently? Well, how do we stand out? How do we mark out our commitment to Jesus? It gives us an opportunity to explain. So why is it, you know, why is it that you don't drink? Or why is it that Whatever, whatever the thing is, whatever, you call, whatever you've been called to. Um, why is it you walk around your neighbourhood praying? 
you know, what do you do? You know, um, there are great opportunities to be distinctive and different, and John the Baptist did that. The fourth thing he did was he brought people back to God. He brought people back to God. He preached. Uh, he he just just talked about God. Just said how it was. Said to the people, "Come back to God." And the fifth, he did this stuff in the spirit and power of Elijah. And uh, this relationship in the between Elijah and Jesus uh, and John the Baptist is kind of interesting, and it's kind of a whole other preach. Um, but Elijah is predicted as the one who comes before Jesus, or comes before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And there's a still this looking to Elijah, and this looking to Elijah that still um, kind of exists with the Jews. Um, but there is this coming of Elijah, and there's all these different Elijahs in Scripture, isn't there? There's the Elijah proper, as it were, and then there's John the Baptist, who's he Elijah, and then there's Jesus, and he's he Elijah, and then um, in Revelation, another Elijah turns up, um, uh, and um, I haven't broken down all of that today. Um, that, hasn't, that hasn't been my approach for today. But what I have looked at is the spirit and power of Elijah. The spirit and power of Elijah. The spirit and power of Elijah is this, uh, this power, this ability to, uh, to prepare the way, to provide the knowledge of salvation, to point to the one who is the salvation, and not to be the salvation, because this was a confusion that we had later on um, in the Gospels. They were like, well, is it about you, John? And he was like, no, it's not about me. It's about the one who's coming. But to be prophetic, to speak God's words to people, to pray, get God's words and give them to people. That is, the, that is to be like Elijah, to be uh, someone who, uh, who stands out, who's not afraid to speak truth, to speak what God has given us uh, at the right time. And of course, as part of that, and, and, and together with that, uh, it, like John the Baptist, to be full of the Spirit. To be full of the Spirit. Now, um, I think I've said this before, but I'm going again as well. Um, there's a kind of a, a, a nice theology that says, um, well, you know, uh, you receive the Spirit... Uh, when you got baptised, um, uh, and that's great. Uh, I'm very, ha- I'm very happy with that. But there's always the opportunity for more of the spirit. And and if you're one of those people who who needs to say, I got all that when I was baptised, I would venture to suggest respectfully, um, there's more, okay? Um, because there always is, okay? Uh, this is not a, a great and deep point, um, but God has more of His spirit to give you. There is always more. We are connected to a power that is infinite. So there is always more. So um, if you feel that you've had enough of the Holy Spirit when you got baptised and that was great, um, I'm afraid you're wrong because there's more. Okay? But there is this more of the Spirit that empowers us to do this stuff. I mean, it just seems bonkers, doesn't it, to operate like Elijah. I think that is quite scary quite intimidating and, and very crazy. But um, there is more. There is enough of God's power and God's spirit to, uh, to empower us to be those people, to be the people who live such radical lives that all of this stuff can happen.
But the last point I've got, um, and that's this is um, this is kind of where it started, really. The thing about this is about turning the hearts of parents to their children. So uh, this is this is the thing that Dick God said to me for this morning. Um, is that this Christmas, this time, is an opportunity where God wants to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. Because we know that this is a time when pretty much everyone who has a family will see them. Or if you don't see them, you will contact them. And, uh, and kind of back to the dads again. Uh, if you're a dad, how about this Christmas being a, a bit different? How about your approach to how you speak to your children being a bit different? Particularly those who don't know Jesus or have fallen away. Let's be those people who bring reconciliation. So how are we going to do it? Well, you need to pray. You need to pray and get the approach. Because there will be an approach. There will be an opportunity to bless there will be an opportunity to bless your family this Christmas. It's a great opportunity. And yet I'm kind of speaking to dads, but I'm kind of speaking to all of us. Um, because this is not exclusive by any means. But turning the hearts of fathers to children is what John the Baptist did. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus does. It's what Jesus is doing today here creating reconciliation, bringing people together. Now we need to be wise and have God's word to do that. Pray, find the word and make the opportunity this Christmas because it's such a good opportunity to be those people who bring reconciliation, who turn the hearts of children to fathers and fathers to children. It is such a good opportunity because people are expecting to be contacted, but they're not expecting to hear, I'm sorry, I forgive you, I love you, I respect you. They're not expecting to hear the acceptance that perhaps you've never expressed. So uh, let's do that this Christmas. Let's bring that John the Baptist ministry into our families. Let's bring it into our communities. How do you get on with your neighbours? Here's a chance. Here's a chance. It's goodwill to all men, peace on earth, and reconciliation. So, just to get myself sorted out, made myself cry. That's never good. So I like to be practical. Um, there's a thing at the end of a preach that they call application, um, and I've kind of I've kind of changed that. I, I now call that the practical bit um, because I think we need to uh, to see how we can do something practically. So the first point is to choose reconciliation. Whenever there's a chance to choose reconciliation, wherever there's a chance to express Jesus' love this season, let's do it. 
Um, the next thing is to mercilessly exploit people's religious inclinations. Okay? Do not muck about with this. People love to be religious. And you know what? We can provide just a bit of that um, to get people through the doors. And I'm very, very happy to do that again this year. Um, because actually getting people here is really, really helpful and useful. And also, if you're not brave enough, um, you can pass them on to your friends um, who will happily speak to them about Jesus. So, who are you inviting? Who's coming this year? So, um, I'd like you to turn to the person next to you. And this isn't one of those rhetorical, don't actually do it things. Um, this is, all, you actually need to do it. Um, I'd like to turn to the person next to you uh, and tell them, the person that you're inviting to church this Christmas. Okay? Good. Well done. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, I hope you've got some names now between you. Um, you may well, God may well speak to you some more names. So pay attention. It might, he might just break in at some point um, when you're praying. You know, Gabriel might turn up and say, talk to whoever. Um, so, again, practically, um, I, with fireworks here, can you guys give me a hand? Um, down here, there are the invitation cards. So now that you've thought of who you're inviting, um, I've got some invitation cards for you. These will help you invite people to our services this Christmas. Um, all the services are also on Facebook if you want to do it electronically. Um, but that isn't an excuse not to talk to people, those of, those of you who like a bit of uh, social media. And then once we've given those out, um, I'm going to pray. If you've got a pen, it might be worth writing the name of the person that you've just said you're going to give it to. That way, you'll see it. <laughs> Don't just put these in your Bibles. Um, they, need, they, need to, they need to get delivered. I think we're nearly there, so I'm going to pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're a God who has intervened in our situation. We thank you that you're a God who has a grand plan for salvation for mankind and has a small plan for our lives and our difficulties and our situations. We thank you, Lord, that you are so awesome that you can bring all that together. And at this time, Lord, we pray that we would have the spirit and power of Elijah to preach your gospel, to bring reconciliation and to introduce people to you this Christmas, but also from here on in. We thank you for everything you've done for us. And we pray that you will equip us, you will fill us with your spirit, and you will free us from fear. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can I invite you to stand and we, we worship Jesus by singing the hymn, Jesus, the joy of loving hearts, from Baptist praise and worship.